Right out, of, right out of the mouth of babes. Well, happy Easter. Guys, we are incredibly pumped that you are here with us today. And let me say that on behalf of our entire team here at Trace, thank you for being here. There are millions of people gathered all around the world today to celebrate our risen Lord. And you chose to be here, and we couldn't be more thankful. So thank you for choosing to be here with us as we celebrate Easter together. Well, how many of you guys actually showed up to our big Easter event yesterday? It was like 600 people there. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was fun. Good times. Now, we had put out some advertisement about this, and we talked about this a little bit last week. Just want to make a quick note about it. We put out this flyer. It went out on door hangers. It went out on social media. And as you can see on the top, it says, hey, awesome, Easter egg hunts, petting zoo, and Magic Mike. Now, hopefully you got the chance to meet the real Magic Mike, which is a friend of ours who does magic, not the uh, actor that is a part of a movie that I hope you haven't seen. Uh, But with that being said, I wanted to take a moment and share some of the things that people were posting online about this flyer after they saw it. Here's a couple. One of them says, Magic Mike and Easter, together at last. Somebody else posted this, hey, church with a side of teas, I'm in. Now, if you put that, like you really need Jesus, right? I hope you're here if that was you who actually put that. Uh, Another person said, I'm finally going back to church. There's just something weird about that, why they would come back to church because of that. Somebody else said, hey, that's it. There is a God. I know now for sure. What is wrong with people? Like, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. This was actually pretty funny. Uh, someone actually started a hashtag after seeing our flyer that said, pray for Trace. And then they took it a step beyond that and actually made an Easter egg that says, pray for Trace because of our advertisement. So our hope is that you got to re- meet the real Magic Mike. There was one other picture that I didn't want to post, but Corey convinced me of putting it. So, all right, take it off, take it off. That is completely inappropriate. You should email Corey Bullock, Corey Bullock at tracechurch.com. Let him know that that was not appropriate. Guys, we are seriously thankful, seriously thankful that you've chosen to be here with us this morning. We're really pumped that you guys are here to celebrate with us. Probably one of the most, no, I can say it, the most pivotal moment in human history. And this is our first Easter Sunday as a church, so it's a big deal to us. If you don't know anything about us, let me give you just a few details on who we are here at Trace. We're a new church. We just launched last September, and we launched underneath this banner of wanting to reach people far from God. We don't really want to reach people that are already connected to another church. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to reach people far from God. Maybe they've been disenfranchised by churches of the past, or maybe a Christian was uh, very judgmental to them in the past, or maybe they've just never given Jesus a chance. And those are the people that we're trying to reach. And the way that we're going to do this is by leaving a trace of God's love everywhere we go. That's our mission. And that actually keeps us on mission all the time. To leave a trace of God's love everywhere you go means you're always on mission here at Trace. Now, we also notice that in order to do that, we have to have, there, there's something that has to happen on the front end of that. There's a prerequisite. And the prerequisite to be able to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go is to see those people first. Have you noticed this? Have you noticed that we don't see people anymore? Guys, we're moving at such a crazy pace in our life that we're just really flying from one event to the next. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty because I'm guilty of this too. This morning, you did this. You bypassed so many people and yeah, you saw them, but you really didn't see them because you were thinking about deviled eggs or whatever else is going on today for Easter. And we know that if there's one action step that we can take together that's simple, but also kind of complex, it's to simply slow down. Stop living in this rat race and start to see the people that God is putting in front of us. And if we will do that, we afford ourselves the opportunity to be a trace of God's love in their life. 
Friends, I want you to think about it. Think about how much different your families would be, your neighborhoods would be, your city would be, if we would just take this one action step together to be a trace of God's love in people's life. It's really not that complicated. But sometimes as Christians, we like to make things complicated, don't we? I've met those complicated Christians. The ones that try to act all super spiritual, like their life's all put together. Heck, I used to be one of those Christians. But I have found so much freedom in the fact that I don't have to play a part, even as a pastor. I don't have to be somebody that I'm not, because Jesus wants me to come just as I am. No strings attached. That's actually the message of the cross. Come just as you are, no strings attached, and he will help you get your life back together. Guys, when we don't approach the cross this way, we get caught up in something called image management. And if you build your life on an image that you constantly have to manage, you will wear yourself out and you'll get lost. And the ironic part is that you'll get lost in yourself. So in the spirit of having a little bit of fun this morning, let me show you what we're trying not to do. Check out this video. Christian girl that loves taking photos of her devotions Do you spend hours framing the perfect picture without the payoff of people noticing how spiritual you are on the internet? Introducing Christian Girl Instagram, 101 tips and tricks to get more likes on your devotional photos. Hi, I'm John Christ with Christian Girl Instagram. Do you struggle to get likes on those devotional Instagram photos? Hashtag the struggle is real. From the best-selling author of shameless workout selfies comes Christian Girl Instagram. I would always get totes stressed out trying to decide which Bible verse to show. <laughs> Not anymore. Okay, you're always going to want to stay away from common verses like Jeremiah 29:11 or John 3:16. No matter what verse you choose, you always want to make sure you highlight multiple verses with multiple colors. Because after all, what's the point of having devotions if no one knows about it? I used to spend five minutes reading the Bible, then like 30 minutes trying to figure out a hashtag. Then I found Christian Girl Instagram. My book includes over a thousand hashtag suggestions like Coffee with Colossians, Bliss, Serenity, Much Needed, and of course, hashtag blessed. Buy Christian Girl Instagram today and we'll include our 31-piece package of options to put in the background of your photo. Things like a candle, a precious moments doll, a subscription to Relevant Magazine, kale chips, and of course, a coffee cup with a Bible verse on it. Thanks to inspiration from Christian Girl Instagram, I took down my Marilyn Monroe poster and replace it with footprints in the sand. So clear off what's really on your desk and replace it with new products from Christian Girl Instagram. Christian Girl Instagram now includes bonus tips like if you're gonna include your hand in the photo, always wear a purity ring. And if you're gonna include additional reading material in the background of your photo, always avoid extremes. We don't want people to think you're too prosperity driven by maybe having some Joel Osteen yet, We don't want people to worry about your theology by having some Rob Bell or Mark Driscoll, okay? You want to stay right in the middle, maybe some Joyce Meyer, some Beth Moore would be perfect. And remember, anything leather-bound is really going to pop with that Valencia Instagram filter. Christian Girl Instagram is great. My devotions are now constantly being interrupted by people liking my post. Buy now and I'll also include my additional book, Announcing Your Social Media Fast. Tips and tricks for effectively telling people you're fasting while ignoring all of Jesus' teachings about telling people you're fasting. Christian Girl Instagram can be yours today. This book and so much more available to you all for the cost of less than a pair of yoga pants. I don't always do devotions, but when I do, 
I Instagram it. We're so confident in our product that if you're not totally satisfied with Christian Girl Instagram, we'll send you this free autographed Tim Tebow poster. <laughs> all right, all right, yes. Oh, that is what we're trying not to do here. Well, guys, today we continue in our re-series, and we're going to focus on the word reclaim. And for those of you that are new here, we've been in the series called Re, where we're hoping to take a second look at several aspects of our life, our lives in at the church that deserve a second look. And if I could convince every single one of you this morning to take a second look at something in your life and in your faith, it would be what your personal response is to the resurrection of Jesus. And I'm going to come back to this. Over the last five to ten years, something very interesting has happened on cable television. People have become infatuated with these home improvement shows that are in the business of restoring things. You've got American American Pickers, where you've got these two guys who are going through junkyards and old homes and and hopes to find old treasures that they can restore. You've got Barnwood Builders, and these guys remove old barn. Uh, old barns and the wood from old barns so that they can make new ones. And then you got the recently hit, the hit show Fixer Upper, where a Texas couple finds some of the roughest looking houses and restores them into something amazing. Let's be honest, we all want to be best friends with Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? Yeah. Well, based on the ratings of these shows, there's obviously something incredibly intriguing to millions of Americans when it comes to how old things can be reclaimed and restored. I'm no different. Not too long ago, I picked up this old barn beam, and it was going to be set aside, probably discarded. The guy told me it was probably 100 years old or close to it. I have no idea, really, but if you want to come and look at it later, feel free to, because you're going to see big cracks in it. You're going to see all these really cool veins in it where the wood has actually been scarred because of how termites have eaten their way through the wood. And of course, I've worked really hard on this. I brushed it with a wire brush for a couple days. I sanded it with three different types of sandpaper and then, of course, stained it to put a new finish on it. And my hopes is that this is going to become a centerpiece in our home as I put it above the fireplace. And my wife keeps wondering when I'm actually going to put it above the fireplace, but one day it will get there. Guys, this is actually a good representation of the Easter story. Friends, today we celebrate the fact that no matter how beat up, how dirty, how scarred, or even stained our life is, we can still be reclaimed and given a new purpose. And the only thing that even makes this possible is because 2,000 years ago, Jesus was crucified and he was buried, but then he did something that no one else has ever done. He actually walked away from death by his own power. And because he walked away from death, He gives us the choice of eternal life. And even though the resurrection is something we should celebrate every single day, Easter Sunday is a day we pause to remind ourselves that the only way our life is able to be reclaimed and repurposed is because Jesus was willing to be beat up, scarred, and stained on our behalf. The Apostle Paul captures all of this in one sentence. Here's what he says. For God made Christ who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Friends, another downside to always being so busy, what I was talking about early, another downside to that is even though we say we believe in Jesus, we oftentimes still overlook him. And the Easter story can't just be a holiday that makes us feel warm and cozy inside. 
or reminds us that spring is among us or just gets us excited about eating deviled eggs. And yes, that's a second reference to deviled eggs in this sermon because they are fantastic. Friends, Jesus is either a good idea that comforts us or he actually walked out of that tomb a little over 2,000 years ago. A tomb that literally exists today, a little over 6,900 miles away from where we stand and sit today. Yeah, I did the math. It's a real place, and it's really empty. And if it's really empty, then that changes everything. That became the most pivotal moment in human history. I love what Tim Keller says. He says, either you'll have to kill Jesus or you'll have to crown him. But the one thing that you can't do is just say, what an interesting guy. And that leads me to our one thing today. If you walk away with something in here today, my hope is it's it's this. Because Jesus walked away from death, he is now able to reclaim your life. And friends, even though Jesus went through hell on the cross to the point of his very own death, it was always about life. All of it was always about life. Specifically reclaiming your life. Everything he did and endured was for us. And although this was one of the darkest moments in human history, this darkness that was brought on by death ultimately leads us today to life and light. So what I want to do is I want to spend the rest of our time together looking at the cross. And specifically the way that I'm going to do this is we're going to spend some time on this side of the cross which were moments leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus. And then we're going to take some time and actually remember what happened on the cross. And then when we're done, we're going to spend some time talking about what does that mean for us today to be able to be on this side of the cross. So to start our conversation, let's start over here. Because over here, just moments before Jesus is led to the cross, we have some pretty horrible things happening. You see, before he gets to actually the moment of being crucified, He's got some of his closest followers really letting him down. You've got a guy named Judas, one of the guys in his inner circle, one of his disciples. He betrays him, sells him out for some pocket change. Not too long after that, there's a guy named Peter, probably would be called Jesus' best friend. When things got hard for Jesus, Peter said, I'm done, and he takes off. And then he denies that he ever even knew Jesus, not once but three times. Friends, on this side of the cross, we have people who greeted him on Sunday. I don't know if you're aware of this. The Sunday before Good Friday is called Palm Sunday. And so as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, they gave him a hero's welcome, greeting him with palm branches as he's coming into Jerusalem. A hero's welcome. Don't miss this. Those very same people who gave him that hero's welcome on Friday We're joining the mob of popular opinion, yelling to Pontius Pilate, crucify him. And then we have a guy that was beaten, again, on this side of the cross. He was mocked, he was spit on, and a crown of thorns was jammed into his forehead. But the worst came after that, when he was really endured one of the worst torturing devices known to man called a cat of nine tails. It was also called being flogged and he was literally whipped with this instrument that had shrapnel on the end of it that was intended to open up human flesh. And so before he even gets to the cross, his body is more or less an open wound. 
So on this side of the cross, we have deception and denial, even from his very own disciples, some of his closest friends, followed up by a method of torture that left him nearly dead. Guys, if you've ever wondered if Jesus can identify with your pain and your struggle, if you've ever wondered if Jesus can understand some of the things that you're going through, I can assure you he's dealt with his fair share of pain and suffering and denial and betrayal in his life. The writer of Hebrews captures it this way. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is ready to give. Take the mercy and accept the help. So now we have a snapshot of some of the events that took place on this side of the cross. But what I want to do now is I want to spend some time on looking at actually what took place on the cross. And friends, I get it. I get that this is dark, and I get that this is even painful to go through. But Jesus deserves our attention today. He deserves us taking a second look at what he went through so our lives could be reclaimed. And so we're going to allow him that opportunity. Let me say this before we get there. Some of the, the biggest epiphanies of my life have actually been things that I was reminded of that I didn't need to be taught. And the more I've been in ministry, I've actually learned that that's the case for most of us, that we need to be reminded more often than we need to be taught. So a lot of the things that I'm going to do this morning is just remind you of things that we never should forget. Some of these epiphanies that have come in my life have been like a reminder that says, Aaron, don't give your family your leftovers because they deserve your best. A reminder to grow in generosity because Jesus is the most generous person that we've ever met, even giving his own life. And so we should always be growing in generosity to others. And at the same time, I've learned to never eat a hot dog from 7-Eleven. Let me give you a quick recap of what just happened before we get, like just a few moments right before we get up to the cross. You see, we got a guy that's been wrongly arrested, he's been falsely accused, and he's been sentenced to death by Pontius Pilate, who was influenced by the Jewish mob. He was sentenced to death by crucifixion. One of the worst forms of death known to man. This type of torture was meticulously calculated to cause the most pain. Let's give Jesus the honor this morning of helping ourselves to be reminded of something that we don't ever want to forget. We're going to pick up in Mark chapter 15, beginning in verse 25. If you have a Bible, feel free to turn there with us. Also, if you have a smart device, you can go to a Bible app and scroll over there as well. Uh, If you come to Trace on a consistent basis, are you going to start coming back? We've got Bibles that are available for you at the guest services table, so feel free to grab one of those anytime that you need one. Here's how it begins. Verse 15. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him, also called the third hour. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. Now I'm gonna point out some things that potentially you've never heard before, and so if you're a note taker, you might wanna take some of these notes because what Mark's gonna do in his gospel is he's gonna point out three specific times that are very significant. 
And these three specific times are both significant to the Jewish people and what would have been happening during the day, but also significant moments of what was actually happening on the cross. And I don't want you to miss them. So at three in the morning, I'm sorry, three, the third hour, at nine in the morning, the cross is pulled up and it's put in the ground. And the crucifixion begins. Now, something that's significant about that hour as well, at the same time, 9 a.m. in the morning, the Jewish people, specifically the religious leaders, would have been walking into the temple to offer the first sacrifice of the day. They would have sacrificed a lamb. And so that particular sacrifice was for God to forgive all the sins of the Israelite people. But little did they know, in the same exact moment... God was actually providing for them, giving them the only sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice that they would ever need, but they missed it. Let's pick up in verse 27. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. And in the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. And at noon, another particular time, Mark points out right here, at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Another significant time for the Jewish people during the time of the crucifixion was at noon. And at noon, the Jewish people would have been going into the temple courtyards or in other gathering places, and they would have prayed a prayer of thanksgiving. God, thank you for providing for the Israelites. Thank you for providing for us. And would you continue to provide for us going into the future? And little did they know, in that same moment as darkness is falling over the land, God is providing for them the light of the world, but they missed it. Let's pick up in verse 34. And at three in the afternoon, another specific time Mark points out, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone and let's see if Elijah comes down to take him down, he said. And with a loud cry, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last breath, something that we will all have in common one day. Our time spent during the crucifixion went from nine in the morning to three in the afternoon. Jesus spent six hours on this cross. Now again, Mark points out that Jesus took his last breath at three in the afternoon, also called the ninth hour another very significant time for the Jewish people. At that very same moment, on the ninth hour, three in the afternoon, the Jewish people would have been going back into the temple to offer the last sacrifice of the day. And that last sacrifice was to atone or to forgive the sins of the Israelites that they were ignorant of making, that they didn't know they had committed. But little did they know that in that same moment, they were ignorant of the fact that God was providing the last sacrifice that would ever be needed. But they missed it. Our time during the crucifixion was about six hours. Six hours of a living hell. Friends, we owe it to Jesus to understand what he went through. But he doesn't want us to live there. Because when he took his last breath, 
now we get to be on this side of the cross. Let me show you what, <clears throat> let me show you something that happened right at that very same moment. You see, Mark finishes up right after Jesus took his last breath. It says, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. The curtain in the temple was torn. Let me do this really, really quick. I'm gonna give you a quick history lesson. You see, on this side of the cross, there was a temple. And in the temple was a curtain, also called a veil. And the only person that could go behind that veil and behind that curtain, which is where God was supposed to reside, was the high priest. And in order for the high priest or the spiritually elite, in order for him to even go behind the curtain, he had to go through all these spiritual processes and cleansing processes in order for him to even be made right to go into the presence of God. Don't miss this. When Jesus became the last sacrifice for each and every one of us, the veil was torn meaning there is no more barrier between us and God. Over here, we couldn't be in the presence of God, but because of what Jesus did, he now puts us in the presence of God. You don't have to light a bunch of candles. You don't have to go through all these cleansing, I'm sorry, cleansing processes. You have been made right if you will accept Jesus' sacrifice. You have been made right in front of God. And now if you will bring Christ into your life, God actually sees Jesus in you and you can be in his presence all the time. Friends, the cross reclaimed our lives. And even though sometimes we focus on the death of Jesus, I just want to remind you this morning that it's always been about his life. Because three days later, he walked away from death. And because he walked away from death, we now can be reclaimed in his life. Guys, I don't know if you know this, but we were always the goal. We were. You see, in the kingdom of God, everyone, everyone is someone, and it's not too late for you. Friends, just like an old piece of barn wood that looks like it no longer has a use, you can be reclaimed and given a new purpose. You might be dirty, beat up, and even scarred, maybe even had some termites along the way that have eaten away at your heart. I think we've all been there. Maybe you feel like you've missed it or you've messed it all up. Friends, the story of Easter reminds us that no matter how far we have run from God, no matter how broken and useless you feel, the cross was God's way of making a cosmic shout to every single one of you and every person in this world, I love you. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed by believing in him. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help make the world right again. Friends, accept the help. You see, Jesus walking away from death now gives us the opportunity to walk with him in life. And I don't care. I really don't. I don't care how much you've messed it up because God can restore all of that. I just don't want you to miss. I don't want you to miss what was made available for you on the cross and specifically the fact that he walked away from death because he reclaimed your life. And friends, if you'll allow him, he wants to use your life. He doesn't just want the best parts of you. 
The cross made it available that he'll use all of you. Let's pray. Father, this day really shouldn't be any different than any other. But God, it does give us an opportunity to come back to the cross and come back to the empty tomb and remember that because of what you were able to do, we don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. We don't have to to work out all of these specific things before you'll love us. God, the cross made it available for grace and the grace made made it available for us to have access to you. Father, remind us of how much of a blessing this is in our lives, that our lives have been reclaimed no matter how dirty and beat up and scarred that they may look from past experiences that you want to take even all of that and you want to give us a new purpose. God, I pray that for everyone in this room that they understand what you had to endure in order for our lives to be reclaimed because it deserves our attention. But Father, when we leave here today, let us all be reminded that because of the cross and because of the empty tomb, we now walk in new life. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said, amen.